0: I said, praise God. praise God. Proverbs chapter 6, I read from verse 6 to 11, from the New King James Version. Proverbs chapter 6, from verse 6 to 11. We will continue in the teaching series, The Seven Commandments of Foolishness. If you were not around on Sunday, we started a series of teachings on the wisdom of God. On Sunday, we looked at the character of God's wisdom. From James chapter 3, we saw the character of God's wisdom. The wisdom which is from above, the Bible says, is peaceable, is pure, easily untreatable. We looked at the fact that wisdom is the principal thing, the scripture says. And in all our getting, we should get understanding. We also reckon with the fact that in James chapter 1 and verse number 5, the Bible says, If there's any that lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that he gives liberally. Yeah. That, that, that the fact that wisdom can be received, wisdom can be practical, and wisdom will extend the number of your days. And wealth and riches, it will gather to you. That's what the scripture says. So we're studying uh, um, the wisdom of God in this season. And we've tagged this message series, The Seven Commandments of Foolishness. We also um, brought up a challenge on Sunday, which is to study the book of Proverbs all through the next 31 days. So if you're in church on Sunday, and you're serious about gaining wisdom, I'm expecting that by now, you will be on your third day, the chapter 3 of the book of Proverbs chapter 3 of the book of Proverbs, Uh, while I was having a discussion with the pastors, I think yesterday, we also realized that if you have the U version uh, Bible app, there are many uh, um, reading plans on Proverbs 31, I'm sorry, on the book of Proverbs that you can also follow and read for 31 days, and you will get some devotionals to read along with it. I started that, and I'm also reading, you know, the book of Proverbs, plus my other readings since Sunday, and it's been fantastic. One thing that will help you, like I was speaking to a staff in the office yesterday, one thing that will help you is as you read uh, the book of Proverbs, each, I mean, one chapter a day, you need to reckon with two verses, maybe Mark's three. I, I mean, if I told you I have a bit of struggle, or maybe you're rushing, you should at least have one verse that will resonate with you. For you to keep that wisdom in your heart, you need to commit that verse to memory. One of the great ways you can do that is to to pick your pen and write the verse, the complete verse, and put the quote there. So Proverbs chapter three and verse five, you write it, put the quote there, and put it on a small paper. Maybe put it in your pocket, Maybe put it on your wallet. Look through it. I mean, in a place where you can see it as you go through your day, yeah, as you go through your day, and before you know it, that. Verse of the book of Proverbs becomes a part, a regular part, you know, of your life, so that when you come into certain situations, it's natural for that verse of the book of Proverbs to just come to your mind and you escape foolishness so easily. Praise God! So, we picked the first commandment of foolishness, and the teaching series, like I said said on Sunday, was actually uh, um, centered on the book that I wrote about five years ago, The Seven Commandments of Foolishness, and I realized that. The average member of this church perhaps has not read the book or may not even know what is in the book. So for this time, we decided that we're going to teach from this book. And that's what we're going to be doing um, henceforth, you know, for the next couple of weeks. So we we took the first commandment on Sunday, which is thou shalt not think. I wanted to get the message and listen to it. And you can also do yourself a whole lot of good to get a copy of this book and read it, pass it to a friend, uh, take it to your connect group, you know, share one commandment together and what it means to you, what it means to somebody else. You can share on it, you know, during lunch break and just enjoy uh, um, God's word together. So, let's go to the second commandment of foolishness, uh, which is thou shalt not be serious. Thou shalt not be serious. Proverbs chapter 6, I'll read from verse 6 to 11. It says, go to the hand you sluggard. Consider our ways and be wise which having no captain. Somebody say captain. Overseer. Repeat it a time. Say overseer Overseer. or ruler. ruler. You see, when you see the scriptures using or using multiple words for one thing, it's a matter of you know stretching it or stressing it. The main point here is that the hand demonstrated self leadership from the verse, from this verse six of Proverbs chapter six. It says, "Go to the hand, you sluggard." A sluggard is an unserious person. A sluggard is the one who needs a push. A sluggard is the one that you can smell foolishness from, from a distance. You don't even have to come near. Just looking at what's going on around the life of the person. And he says, uh, so speaking to a sluggard, he said, go to the hand. The hand happens to be one of the smallest creatures of God. And we humans happen to also be in the class of some of the biggest creatures of God. I know somebody's mind will raise to the hippos and the, you know, and all that. I'm saying we are, <laughs> we are also big, yeah, compared to the ants. Because, the, you know, the, the, the one, one time I read this passage of the scripture and the first thing that came to my mind is that if God is telling us humans to go learn from the ants, then we need to ask ourselves the question, what is the size of the brain of an ant? Look at what God gave us. Yeah. I was trying to study the size today. I think it's 1,400 cubic centimeters, the cranial cavity when you measure it, yeah, 1,400 cubic centimeters, you can pack a million hands or 10 million hands inside it. <laughs> so invariably, we're supposed to have the capacity, mental capacity that is seriously superior to that of an ant. But it's not about the size of the brain. It's about wisdom. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not about the size of the brain. It's It's, it's about wisdom. The Bible says here, Go to the hand, you sluggard, consider our ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, no leadership at all, provides us supplies in the summer and gathers our food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall your poverty come. On you, like a prowler, and your need, like an harmed man. I often wonder, in spite of the covenant that we have with God, the covenant of divine prosperity, in spite of the fact that we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, if you have committed your life to Jesus, and God actually promised, he says he will be with us even to the end. Uh, 3 John, uh, verse 2, it says, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That's God's wish. The fact that it's His wish does not mean it's going to happen. Man has to cooperate with God to see the will of God done on earth. That's why Jesus said, When you pray, pray after this manner Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's already done in heaven. But it's left for man on earth to cooperate with his wish on earth and make it happen on earth. And one of the ways we'll make the will of God happen on earth is to refuse to be a sluggard, is to refuse to practice foolishness and embrace wisdom wholesale. One of the ways you embrace wisdom wholesale is to disobey this commandment of foolishness that says, Thou shalt not be serious. And tell yourself once. I'm going to be a serious-minded person. It's a slogan that will not be able to learn. I mean, um, in this book, I wrote a story of how this thing, you know, just came up in my, in my mind strongly one day. I, I just had a drink, of uh, um, orange juice in my office, and I left the, the, the glass on the table. And I went out and came back when I saw a number of hands around the glass cup. And then I sat down and I remember Proverbs chapter six, and I told myself. How do they even know? How do they know that there's, there's juice here? What kind of sensory, you know, system or, or nose do they have? Then, is it that they just follow each other or one came, saw it, and went to call the others? You know, I just sat there and I was just trying to, you know, that's how you meditate actually. I was just trying to, you know, just think about it. But when you read verse, verse 6 to 11 here, the Bible says there's something about the hand that its life is serious business to it. So the hand will use every hand of gifting and ability to sense and ability to move and whatever God has given it to push itself. This passage of the scripture It's one of the strongest passages in the Bible on self-leadership. And ladies and gentlemen, I need you to understand one thing. For you to really lead in life, you need to first and foremost lead yourself. You cannot solve a problem for other people that you have not solved for yourself. Yeah. That's that's the truth about life. If not, it's not going to work. So, to avoid the influence of wisdom, <laughs> make light of everything. Have no serious conversations. That's a slogan. We're talking about the fact that for you to gain wisdom, you have to take life seriously. To avoid the influence of wisdom, make light of everything, and have no serious conversation. You know some people from morning till night. They are talking, but you cannot make any serious sense apart from amusement and excitement out of what they're saying. Yet, there are issues in their life that they refuse to think about. Yeah. Pastor, are you saying that we have to be moody and serious all day? No. In fact, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Bible says a merry heart makes good like medicine. Yeah. So, the joy of the Lord is already supplied by the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And you embrace it by keeping a good, you know, attitude. Attitude of gratitude. But what I'm saying is that after all said and done, are you going to be a sluggard? Or are you going to pay attention to important things? As we proceed, I'm, I'm, I'm going to describe the four characteristics of an unserious person. And then you're going to understand what I'm saying a little better. You know, in this church, when we take our closing charge, we read from Psalm 1, and verse 2 says, He uh, um, does not sit. In the seat of the scornful. A person is the one that, you know, scones instruction, really never serious, doesn't take the word of God seriously, doesn't take life seriously, doesn't take anything seriously, doesn't take marriage seriously. Has his mantras about marriage. Doesn't even take work seriously. Because has his mantras about work. You get to work, you see a scornful person, a scondary who is just loafing around, you ask him a question, we will tell you, is your father the MD? Did you own the company? Why must you kill yourself on this job? Am I saying the truth? Yeah, that's what you hear. And many of such people are tongue-talking Christians. That's why they're not prospering. And some of them have to steal to prosper. Because the Bible says, whoever does not work must not eat. And beyond the boss, there's somebody that sits in the heavens that rules in the affairs of men. Yeah. Who sees what everybody is doing? And that's what people don't understand somebody still with me tonight? I said, are you still with me tonight? So, cons- consistently sitting in the seat of the scornful will yield uh, um, a life of a, scoundre, of a scornful person. Uh, um, Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 8 and 9 says, do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still, it will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and it will increase in learning. I love another one. Still talking about uh, um, how a scoffer responds and how a wise person responds. Uh, Proverbs 13 and verse 1. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. A scoffer is, is, is the person who has positioned his or her mind to be in that frame of mind, which is everything is unserious or everything should not be you know, sometimes they even tell you, you're too serious. Life is not that hard. Yeah. Life is not that hard. Take it easy. Take it easy. Let's look at the four characteristics of an unserious person. Can you help me look at your neighbor tonight and tell your neighbor, thou shall be serious. (laughs) Tell your neighbor, that's my commandment to you for you to gain wisdom. Say thou shalt be serious. (laughs) You know, currently in in our climb, we enjoy a lot of comedy, you know, and all that. And you you may leave this service tonight thinking, well, pastor, does that mean that one should not enjoy comedy, smile, laugh, you know, and all that? I was thinking about that earlier today. And you know who came to my mind? The king of comedy himself, Ali Baba. I have a personal relationship with him. Ali is a very serious-minded businessman. In fact, very soon, I'm going to probably invite him to just come and talk <laughs> if he's available around his, his business acumen. Yeah. This guy has a skill to make people laugh, but as I speak to you, he's in comedy, he's in Hollywood. Yeah. His wife is, a, is an executive in a bank. If he's not a serious-minded person, I don't think he can sustain a marriage with a bank executive, I don't think you you understand what I'm saying. Are you still with me today? Yeah. So there's a difference between we're cracking jokes and making ourselves happy, and there's a different. I mean, and life moving forward, and life gaining traction. Yeah. Because some people are on that frequency where what will be will be. Let's just enjoy today. Tomorrow will resolve itself. And Scripture did not teach us that. We have to do something. You see, doing something today and thinking through today and being serious today is what shows that you are creating tomorrow with the grace of God. Yeah. You are serious about tomorrow and you are creating tomorrow with the the grace of God. Four characteristics of an unserious man. One is that he blames others, the devil inclusive, for everything. Yeah. He blames others, the devil inclusive, for everything denying himself the dignity of decision-making and intentional living. See, an unserious person blames everybody for what is going on around him and it's because he's used to, an unserious person always has an excuse. And what you don't know is that as you excuse, give an excuse, you're actually accusing yourself. Yeah. Because the Bible says we go to the hands said he has no overseer, captain, or ruler. One of the greatest issues that the children of Israel had when they left Egypt was that they had an excuse. It was Moses that came to call them out. While they were there, they were praying every day to God to remember his covenant and take them out. Then God heard the voice of his people and met Moses by the burning bush and said, it's time to go and rescue my people. Then Moses got to Egypt, faced a tyranny, and eventually, you know, against all odds, took the people of God out of Egypt. But the moment they stepped out of Egypt, Moses became their problem. Did you read in your own Bible? Unserious people. Why did you think they all died in the wilderness? <laughs> What kind of discussion do you think the Jews used to have when they were hanging out in the wilderness? Like some people now, maybe are just sitting over pepper soup and and some drinks. And that's the same thing we do in Nigeria currently. Hardly will you go to any joint as we speak now. And the issue of discussion is not centered on the president has been away uh, for this so and so and this is what they are doing to us from Abuja and all that, all that. As good as that is, I believe we need to speak Sometimes you understand what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, you personally, you personally, eh? There's a James I'm speaking to tonight. There's a Juliet I'm speaking to tonight. Your destiny is your responsibility. It's not in the hand of worry. <laughs> Are you still with me tonight? Yeah. See the Jews just sitting down and they will be talking about Moses, Moses, from morning till night. If not for this useless man that came to take us out. That's why they went to meet him and they told him, when we were in Egypt, we were eating uh, cucumber. We were eating garlic. I don't know what goodness is in garlic to be eating as food. (laughs) But you see, when you are looking for excuse, you will find. Yeah. They complained about the food that Moses gave them. They complained, you know. In fact, when they got to the Red Sea, they said, is it because there are no cemeteries in Egypt? That you now brought us here to perish here. Where the leader was thinking, God, how will you pack this seed for us? Because I know there's power in your hand. You can imagine somebody's trying to hear, take out your rod, you know, do this. In the midst of that, he's still struggling (laughs) with with all kinds of memories from these funny people. Is somebody sitting with me tonight? That's what we do as a people. And a serious person is the one that blames, put the blame on other people, and refuses to take hold of intentional living. Take hold of intentional living. In Africa, I read in a book many years ago. They said the difference between okay, let me put it this way. There are two ways I can put it. One is that in Africa, they said when a child is sick, people ask the question, "Who is responsible?" In the developed part of the world, when a child is sick, they ask the question, what is responsible? Here, somebody has to be responsible. Because we don't take responsibility for anything. One mindset engenders research to, you know, the pathology of the disease and what is causing the disease. One other mindset is looking at one human being. You say, is that woman or is that, you know? (laughs) Is that not how we do? Because we always have an excuse. An excuse. An excuse. And that's what is, you know, uh, making witchcraft to be more powerful around, I mean, this part of the world. So the difference between witchcraft and medicine is this. When a man falls sick, witchcraft makes him ask, who did this to me? When while medicine makes him ask, what did this to you? There are two different things. They're two different things. It's an unserious person that's always thinking that somebody else is responsible for my predicament. Am I saying that someone cannot be responsible for your predicament? It's possible, but the truth is that if that's where your own mind is, then instead of looking up to God, you will look up to that one person. And it, it breeds hatred, bitterness, to the point where you want to exterminate that person so that you can live. And even when we come to the realm of witchcraft, the witch is not the problem. It's the master of the witch that is the problem. And there's a way to speak to the master of the witch. You will lose ground, your ground, to be able to address the master of the witch when you're looking at one person and you're hating that one person. Because you can't have a tread in your heart and not lose your spiritual authority. Am I speaking to somebody here today? It's very, very important. Extremely important. So it is primitive and juvenile. It's a pretty primitive and juvenile, juvenile mind that seeks the cause of fear and failure outside of itself. If you have not written down anything since I've started, write this one down because I wanted to go with this one and think about it very, very, very well. So it's a primi- primitive and juvenile mind that seeks the cause of fear and failure outside of itself. Yeah. When you see fear, you see failure, you need to first of all ask yourself the question, what can I do or what am I doing? That's how we take responsibility for our lives. It's an unserious person that seeks The cause of fear and failure outside of itself. Glory be to Jesus. Let me move quickly. Uh, the, the, The second characteristic of an unserious person has no clearly written plans or goals. An unserious person has no clearly written plans or goals. He lives aimlessly. Lives aimlessly. Lives aimlessly. A person without a written goal or plan will remain at the same level for a very long time. a very long time. For a very long time. A very long time. The truth is that without a map or compass articulating your goal, I mean, without a map or compass, you, you can't you can't articulate your, your direction. I don't, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Just imagine somebody like the children of Israel, caught in the wilderness. yeah. Without a map, without a compass, you can't articulate where you're going. The same thing happens when you're aimless, when there are no plans, where there are no goals. And that's how some people live. Habakkuk chapter 2, when you read from verse 1 to 3, said, I will stand upon my watch, set set myself on the rampart, and watch to see what he will say to me. And I will answer when, and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Make it plain on the tablet. In the days where this was written, they used tablets to write. They're not um, Discovered paper that time. Yeah. If I all, they had scrolls. So he said, make it plain. <laughs> Write the vision. Make it plain on the tablet. That he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak. And it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come and will not tarry. Somebody say, write, write the vision. Tell your neighbor, say, write the vision. Tell somebody, yes, say, write the plan. Say, call it any name. But write it. Yeah, yeah. If there's anything that is still in the future, when you talk about vision, vision means a mental picture of a preferable future. It can be a vision for business, a vision for marriage, a vision for finance, a vision. It's a mental picture of a preferable future. I need to capture it. I need to make it plain in writing. It's a sign that I am serious and it's a sign that I believe that that thing can happen. Are you still with me today? I said, are you still with me today? Many of us will have read about uh, a particular research that they claimed um, was carried out, I think, in Harvard, some people say it's in Yale, you know, many years ago about a particular graduating uh, MBA class and they said that um, uh, um, that there were 3% of them who had a clearly written goal and 13% of them who had a goal just on their mind and there was another 84% who had no goal at all. Yeah. The ones who had a clearly written goal uh, happened to have achieved or they, they were earning, on the average, after many years of going back to them, ten times as much as other others. The all of 97, plus the people who did not write their, I mean, who had it and did not write their goals. Ten times more. The ones who... Had goals, but they didn't write them down. Uh, um, no, go, go back to the other slide. Yeah. Who is there? Follow me, please. Yeah. Okay. I will use my, my note. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the, 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 the people, I mean, the, the, the 13% who had goals that were not in writing were earning, on average, twice as much as the 84%. twice as much as the remaining 84%. The 3% who had clear, written goals were earning on the average 10 times as much as the other 97% of all the graduates put together. So the only difference between the, the, the groups is the clarity of the goals they had for themselves, the clarity of the goals they had for themselves, and then putting it down and being able to follow it gave a more stronger boost to what they wanted to do. Can you let me tell your neighbor again, say, write it down. down." Tell your neighbor again, say, "Write write it down. Say, what is God telling you? What are you thinking about? What is in your future? It's time to write it down. Let's move to the third characteristic. Of an unserious person. An unserious person always looks for shortcuts. Always looks for shortcuts. I read Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14 from the message translation. Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14 from the message translation. If you are always looking for shortcuts, maybe I'm speaking to you tonight, you need to become more serious. God gives speed, not shortcuts. <laughs> yeah. He gives speed. Yeah. On the long cut, it will give you speed. <laughs> if there's anything like that. Are you still with me tonight? Yeah, God gives speed. Look at this Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff. Even though crowds of people do, the way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. Somebody say total attention. Several weeks or months ago, I came on this platform and I spoke to this church about the financial shortcut that was prevalent then. They called it MMM. And I told you that if you were part of it, go and withdraw yourself that my spirit is not with you. (laughs) And some people behaved as if they didn't hear what I said. In fact, uh, uh, somebody even was even throwing a jab at me after, you know, we're we're just just Say, Pastor, I can't even register yourself. (laughs) You know, and I'll bring the the, the proceeds for you. You know, I I told the, the, the guy, I said, I'm not interested. Yeah, I'm not interested. But you see, it was just a few weeks down the line. We all saw the whole thing, you know, came crumbling. And um, <laughs> the people who passed, went in earlier were able to gather some things. But it's, a Ponzi scheme is always like that. Yeah. It's always like that. And from that lesson, we can learn more from, you know, more serious things in life. That God is not a God of shortcuts. It gives grace. It gives favor. It gives speed. But when you go out of your way to look for shortcuts, you will walk into corruption. You will pollute your conscience in the midst of all that. And then foolishness will start to come in because you will do crazy things. So the path of least resistance often leads nowhere. There are always giants in the land of promise. Giants will come down when confronted with grace. We don't circumvent giants; we confront with grace. Yeah, we confront with grace. That's how God has programmed it. You see, when you look at the story of uh, the Israelites coming out of uh, um, Egypt, you will see there's, there's a, lot, a lot of lessons to be learned from that story. God Himself said, "There's a party could have led them." I don't want to get into that scripture tonight because of time. There's a particle I've let, let, uh, I mean, uh, led them. Go on and read it in your Bible. But he said, because he didn't want to shock them, he knew that they were not seriously prepared to encounter something. He said he led them about. Leading them about there is to give them an opportunity to develop certain capacity and competencies. But even with all that, that journey should have taken them 40 days, 60 days marks you know, with uh, water break and um, comfort break, maybe 60 days, yeah, because people then took the same journey on road, it's in record, go and check it. And some did it for 40 days, 45 days, but it took them 40 years. Because they were busy looking for shortcuts and blaming Moses and blaming God. Are you still with me today? Yeah, blaming Moses and blaming God. And even when they, you know, went through the wilderness and came to start to conquer, they had to meet giants. When they got the news about the first set of giants, their hearts caved in. They didn't want to go any further. If there's somebody here listening to me tonight, whether here live or on the internet, and you're at that point now where your heart is caving in because you are seeing giants, you need to tell yourself, This is real life. This is life. All I need to ask for is the wisdom on how to bring down the giants. You know, our one great lesson from the Jews or the Jewish wilderness experience is that God doesn't encourage shortcuts. It's not about where you desire to be. It's about who you will be when you get there. That's why God doesn't encourage shortcuts. There are certain things he wants to prepare you for where he has prepared for you. When you take shortcut, you get to where he has prepared for you unprepared. You mess him up, you spoil his name. (laughs) Glory be to Jesus. Yeah. That's what God doesn't want. You're looking for shortcuts, you're gonna get there, but you're gonna get there unprepared. You're gonna get there without strength, without the competencies, without strength of character to manage it. And then you mess God up. You mess up his name. That's why it's very important that you don't look for shortcuts. You don't look for shortcuts. And part of the reason why people look for shortcuts is that people hate resistance. In my study as as an engineer and, and as a scientist, I realized that Though electricity will flow through the path of least resistance? Bulbs only glow because of resistance. Yeah, somebody needs to study to understand what I'm talking about. Have you asked yourself, in send bulb, why it glows? It's the resistance of the material. Then it will eat it up. That's why the regular bulb you can't touch it when it's working. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. It's out of the heat coming from the. Tungsten, you know, the the material that then it becomes very bright and lights up everywhere. Yeah. How many electrical engineers are in the house today? Can I see a show of hands? I'm sure you understand what I'm saying perfectly. Help me explain to your neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) Praise God. The point I'm trying to make is that we need to enjoy sometimes resistance, not look for shortcuts. Because there's something God wants to do through that resistance. Something God wants to do. I read many years ago the story of Rafael Solano in 1942 in Venezuela. The the, the, the story has it that this guy was discouraged and physically exhausted, sat on a boulder in a dry riverbed and expressed to his two companions, I'm true. There's no use going on any longer. See this stone. It makes nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine stone, only one to a million. It will make, he said, if I pick up another one, it will make a million. But what's the use? I'm quitting. This occurred in 1942 when the three men had spent months prospecting for diamond in Venezuelan uh, water course. They had walked, stooping, gathering pebbles, hoping for a single sign of a diamond because they were actually looking for diamond. But they never thought of quitting until Solano said, I'm true. glumly one of the other men said, pick up another and make it a million. At least let's know that you have picked up one million stones. All right, Solano said. And bending down, placed his hand on a pile of stones and pulled one out. It was almost the size of a hen's egg. Here it is. He declared the last one. For that last one million stone, Ari Winston, the New York paid Ravel Solano $200,000. He named that last stone the the liberator. It was the largest diamond ever found. Largest diamond ever found. Sometimes you have gone, you know, you've gone far in your expedition in the pursuit of what you believe that God has put in your heart. Then weariness will set in. And you feel like, maybe we should wrap this all up. And sometimes that's the time that God is speaking to your heart. I don't know who I'm speaking to tonight. But that's the time that God is saying, no, pick the next stone. Still pick another one. Don't allow weariness to set in. Don't, you know, don't give in to to shortcuts or thinking that you are done. I want to encourage somebody here tonight that it's time for you to try again. Don't look for shortcuts. In John chapter 5, when you read from verse 1, we read the story of the man who was impotent in his feet and who had been dead 38 years. To his credit. The guy must have looked for many ways. But when Jesus showed up, he was, I mean, his excuses almost overcame him. But Jesus healed him. Sometimes we we'll wait. And God wants us to walk with him on the long haul because that's where he's waiting for us. Psalm 126, when you read from uh, um, verse 6, it says, Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. That's, that doesn't look like shortcut. Yeah, doesn't look like shortcut. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Glory be to Jesus. Lastly, tonight, the fourth characteristic of an unserious person, is that he or she neglects little things. So from everything I've said, you you, you must have seen that when I'm talking about an unserious person, I'm not only talking about somebody who is the life of a party or who is talking too much or anything like that. It's about, I mean, that has to do with temperament. I'm talking about the seriousness of mind and heart. An unserious person neglects little things. I once read a story about a man whose wife told, I want to divorce you. And then the, 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 the woman went to court and spoke, I mean, you know, sued him and said, you know, I want to divorce you and all that. And when the man appeared before the judge, uh, um, the judge asked the woman, why do you want to divorce, divorce your husband? He says, because he doesn't love me. The judge asked the man, the wife says, says you don't love her. The man said, I love her. The judge said, boy, he says he loves you. The woman said, he doesn't say it. You know what the man said? He said, the day I married her, I told her I loved her and I've not changed my mind, so I don't have to say it again. <laughs> as little as that is, just es- expressing your affection, or giving affirmation, in relationship. It's little, but it's very, very important. Extremely important. Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 15. The last scripture for tonight. Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 15. I read from the New Living Translation. Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love. For the grapevines are blossoming. So catch all the foxes. Those little foxes, before they ruin the, green, um, the, the vineyard of love. for the grapevine are blossoming. I may be speaking to somebody here tonight. Maybe you are fresh in marriage. Maybe you have been in marriage for a while. And things are blossoming around you right now. You need to focus on the little things. Because the little things, when they pile up, they become the big stuff. Yeah. Or maybe you are in a bad place currently. It may be a marital relationship, it may be a relationship at work, it may be focused on the little things. It's an mysterious person who is so mindful of little things. I love this quote: "Perfection is not a little thing, but little things make for perfection." Yeah. But perfection is not a little thing, because it's in little little things that will gain perfection. Many people want things around them to be perfect, but they don't pay attention to little things, little things, little things. So it's a serious person who overlooks little things. In regular day-to-day life, we see that small injuries swing big doors. Yeah, have you seen a door that is so massive before and there are no injuries? So still be little injuries, small injuries that will swing that big door. In life, it's the same thing. It's the little things that will open doors for us. It's the little things that will keep the doors open for us. It's the little things that will pave way for us in destiny. So we need to pay attention to little things. Little things. Pay attention to little things. Minor acts of selfishness between you and your friends. Little things. Somebody's the only person that's always paying for, for, for soft drink. Yeah. You, you, just like drinking. Little things. And you tell yourself, it's just soft drink. How much is it? Yeah. Yeah What are friends for? Are you not a friend also? The Bible says, He that needs a friend must himself be friendly. Little things. Yeah. Little things. When you're in a relationship and you don't take responsibility for anything, little things. Little things. Everybody's always calling you. don't call anybody. Little things. Yeah. Little things. Little things. It was when I, when I started, you know, traveling out of this country frequently that I started to notice little things that separate us, you know, from, I mean, some more developed culture. I mean, I watch people in church, for instance, sometimes, and I believe somebody will start to do it from tonight. They're going out of a door that is shut. You open the door. You're not looking whether somebody's coming or not. Just leave it and walk past. <laughs> little things. Because if that door smashes the face of somebody supposed to be your wife, that's the end. Yeah. Because you are walking away, and the person is thinking, what kind of human being is this? So someday, maybe two weeks later, you now come. I say the Lord has a word for you. Which word? <laughs> you are <and> your word. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Little things, little things. Little things. I was transiting through London Heathrow once going to the U.S. many years ago. This must have been about 10 years ago. And I joined the bus to to move from one terminal to the other. And I was in the bus. I sat down and you know, they say when an elderly person comes, a pregnant woman comes, or maybe just a lady, you should stand up. This older woman came and I mean came into the bus to join this transit bus to the next terminal. And I stood up for her and went to stand to hold the pole. A Nigerian lady was maybe standing or sitting in another place. She observed everything. One highly placed woman in this country. As we got off the bus and went to the terminal, I think she was going off to Paris, I was, I was going to the U.S. She engaged me for, I don't even know how long, while, while we're just waiting. Just because she saw what I did. And she said, look, I just observe, and I just feel you'll be a gentleman. You're a good Nigerian. You know, and all that. And because of that, we became friends. She's much older. She's very French, but we became friends. Just observing that. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah? Sometimes just little, little things. You know, (laughs) let me give you another one. One of my uncles used to pass in front of a man's house regularly, and he would just walk past. The man would be standing on his balcony. This was back in the day. And the man, we, we just walked past. Then later, he now liked the man's daughter. <laughs> and in the culture where we are brought up, you are passing an elder is standing or sitting. The least you can do is good evening, sir. Yeah. The way where I really grew up, after you have said good evening, sir, they now tell you, prostrate. <laughs> yeah. So you had that one. You had it to it. That's where you can go. And they will tell you omolua here. they they say you are are well brought up. Yeah, that's what it means. That's cultural, I agree. But, open your mouth and greet somebody. It's a little thing, but it can cost you something. (laughs) I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, yeah? Little things. Just smiling at your neighbor in church, the person you are sitting beside. Little things. Because I do a whole lot of work sometimes to get some people to even smile or talk to their neighbor. Yet, you don't know whether your next breakthrough is in that person's hand. Yeah. Because the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by God. Yeah. When I go anywhere, I tell myself, I mean, I was sharing a testimony with my wife, you know, uh, a few weeks ago, how I was traveling. I was coming from the U.S. once. And I wanted to pick my seat on the plane. And I was struggling to pick my seat because I just felt there's something about this seat. Ah. So I prayed. And the Holy Spirit said, pick this one. I picked that seat, not knowing that that's a mission field, that seat that I picked. I picked that seat. I got on the plane. I sat. As I was settling down, and I was still wondering, God, why did you tell me to pick this seat? A young lady, a Nigerian, came and sat beside me on the plane. Seven hours flight, I spoke almost all through. I counseled. I coached. I prayed. I did everything. The seat was a mission field. This lady was coming to Nigeria to marry somebody that she has never seen before. Yeah, and I saw a whole our foolishness is. You know, in Nigeria now we're saying our mumu don't do. Our mumu is very plenty. And I just couldn't leave her. Because the moment we started talking, she became very emotional. I told her, why do you want to do this? She cried, she did everything. i pray. I gave her a book to read chapters. Read this one, read this one. After she finished reading, we'll discuss it. I brought the Bible. I did everything. It was, it was like seven hours of preaching all through. Then I prayed with her and told her to have what we think about what because it was just something that I felt may just result into serious regrets. Yeah. And some people have finished everything for her. Yeah. Coming to marry a Nigerian who has no job and has not worked before in his 30s. And you have a good job there. And I said, "They, they just want to finish your life. Yeah. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So I'm saying that for you to know that sometimes God wants to use you that's why you have to pay attention to little things. Just greeting people, smiling at people. At the same time, let me, let me close with this. Focus on little things also at work. It is extremely disgusting for you to send a letter out unsigned or write a letter on behalf of your organization and there are typos in it. It may rob you of a promotion. It's little, but it's a lot. I don't know if you have read about Thomas Edison before losing a patent because of misplacement of a decimal point. Go and Google it. Edison lost a patent just because he misplaced a decimal point. You will not misplace your decimal point. In the name of the Lord Jesus. So it's extremely important that you focus on little things. Little things. Little things are very, it's an unserious person. That doesn't have an eye for little things. Or is not interested in little things. But yet wants God to happen for him. Or her big. Lift your true hands to Jesus tonight. And just bless him. And ask him. For a fresh release of wisdom. And that wherever foolishness may have prevailed in your life. I want you to speak to God tonight. That an end has come to foolishness. An end has come to foolishness. An end has come to foolishness in my life. Everything we have discussed about the characteristics of an unserious person. I want you to think about them and just speak a word tonight. Speak a word, speak a word, speak a word. Speak a word. word. I will no longer give anybody as an excuse for whatever is going wrong in my life. I will join forces with God to move my life forward. I receive grace tonight. I will not be afraid of giants on my path. I will trust God for grace to confront giants. I will not look for shortcuts into destiny. I will trust God for speed and favor. I will trust God for speed and favor. I will trust God for speed and favor. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless your name. Lord, we bless your name. Thank you for the impartation of the spirit of wisdom tonight. Thank you for the impartation of the spirit of wisdom tonight. Thank you for the impartation of the spirit of wisdom tonight. Thank you for the impartation of the spirit of wisdom tonight. Will you lift your hand to Jesus tonight and say, I receive. Say, I receive. I receive the wisdom of God. I receive the wisdom of God. I receive the wisdom of God. I will not miss my step in destiny. I will not be stranded in destiny. I will not be stranded in the wilderness of life. I receive grace. I receive wisdom. The wisdom which is from above. Pure wisdom. The wisdom from God I receive tonight. I receive tonight. I receive tonight. Somebody ask God for wisdom in specific areas right now. Maybe there's a particular area that has become naughty. Ask God for wisdom for that area right now. Right now. Ask God for wisdom for that area right now. wisdom I can access wisdom so Lord I open up my heart for a flow of wisdom